Hello and welcome to Firelight Fables. Today's story is The Sea Ghost Pine, written by T.S. Rhodes. I'm your storyteller, Alex. That's it, boys, the bosun shouted, his hoarse voice straining through the gale. She'll hold or she won't. Get below and batten down. Thaddeus bowed his head against the screaming wind. His hands felt like lumps of ice, and his arms ached with exhaustion from hauling rope. Three weeks ago, running off to become a sailor had seemed a romantic solution to the heartlessness of his landlady's daughter. Now, he only hoped he would survive the voyage. He staggered forward, gripping the ratlines, lunging to grab the capstan before the ship's violent pitching threw him to the sharks, and finally sliding onto his knees to grip the hatch's edge. He struggled to lift the wooden cover, but his numb hands refused to grip the rain-slick wood. Then a warm, bulky figure crouched beside him. It was Darby. Thaddeus drew a grateful breath. Darby seemed to know everything about ships in the sea. He wouldn't be stopped by a heavy hatch cover. They crouched together for a moment, riding out the swell, clutching the wood with white-tipped fingers as another wave washed over. Then the deck heaved upward, and Darby threw back the edge of the hatch and slid down the companionway. Thad stumbled along behind, bare feet skidding on the wet rungs. The bosun was right behind. He shoved Thad impatiently so that he fell into a miserable heap on the deck below. Then the hatch cover thumped shut, leaving the below decks in near total darkness. Thad scrambled out of the bosun's path, coughing and dripping. Another wave hit the ship and salt water squirted in along the hatch's edge. Darby swore and ran back up the ladder to better secure the lashing. Thad wiped his glasses on the arm of his streaming shirt. What a fool he'd been to imagine that a sea voyage would heal his broken heart. Muria had been right. He was a romantic fool. Now, he was stuck in this horrible place. How miserable was it possible for a man to be without killing over from sheer despair? He stumbled towards the crew quarters, dripping, shivering, and feeling that even his lungs were soaked. He had left school for this. So much for a first-hand observation of natural philosophy. If he lived, he promised himself he would never go to sea again. A few crouching figures crowd near a dim lantern. Swaying hammocks cast eerie shadows on the bulkheads. Many of the crew were taking what rest they could, but their blanket-wrapped forms twitched and turned. It would take a lot of rum to put a man to sleep on a night like this. Thad joined the group and held his freezing fingers onto the lamp's flame. Someone handed over a mug of tea, not quite cold. His teeth chattered against the pewter rim, but he drank gratefully. Darby sat down next to him with a groan. Cold enough to freeze the balls off a brass monkey and blow in like the aft quarter of hell. The heaving ship rose up the next wave until it felt like she was standing on her rudder, paused for a breathless heartbeat, and then plunged down to the opposite side. Wooden beams groaned like the damned. Then, with a shudder, she started up again. Thad clutched a beam. At least somehow, he had stopped throwing up. Do you think she'll hold? Asked one of the cabin boys, eyes gleaming big in the darkness. Ah, now don't you worry. Darby answered. The Jane Darling's a sturdy old gal. She'll keep us safe. Carton's got too much canvas on the mainmast, 
grumbled an elderly sailor. The whole thing's bound to carry away. We'll sink to the bottom of the ocean, or my name's not Donald. Your name ain't nothing, Darby rejoined. The mainmast's more solid than the rock itself. Don't you go scaring these young'uns. My name's Donald Elijah McGee, you lubber, the old seaman growled and struggled to rise to his feet. But the ship lurched and he fell back with a curse. I've been a sailor for nigh on forty years, man and boy, and I tell you, there's not a mass on the sea as can take the strain that that sail's bearing. You might just as well say your prayers, for we won't see out the night. Thad felt fear rising through his layers of exhaustion. He'd studied the classics, but had not yet absorbed much about the practical sailing of ships. He squinted hopefully at Darby. I'm telling you, Darby replied, that there's not a single mast in the world like Jane Darling's main mast and spars. It's all made out of one white pine from the New World, all ninety feet of it, and it'll bear what it comes. You don't make spars out of pine. Well, Jane's builders did, and good job of it too. With a groan and a lurch that made everyone brace themselves, the ship headed up the next wave. Picked up the right tree, that's for sure. The mast will never break. It's haunted, it is. Thad's teeth had stopped chattering with the warm tea, but now they started again. Haunted? He managed to gasp. This ship's haunted. Several of the older hands smiled, and Darby gave a wry grin. No, boy. Not the whole ship. Just the one mast. It's a friendly spirit. And it keeps the mast safe, you see. Another sailor broke in. Aye, I've seen it. A mist, sort of. On a cloudless night. Clinging around the mainmast and singing. Men nodded. A sad song, on quiet nights. Someone else added. I've seen her. It's a woman. I come up the companionway one fine spring night, years ago. And I seen her sort of hanging in the air. Her long hair flying around her, stroking the mast itself and singing in some foreign tongue. I seen her last voyage, another rejoined, though I wouldn't call her young, but you can see right through her. Where has she come from? It must be far ashore, for you can see the leaves in her hair and the vines wrapped up her legs. The speaker blushed a little at the mention of a woman's legs, and for a moment all the men went silent. Finally Thad raised his own voice. If the thing you've seen is actually a restless spirit... Then why is it haunting our mast? Spirits are known to linger in places where they experience trauma in life. What's that to do with us? It's one we've spoke on before, Darby replied. We figure it were over a last love. She must have hung herself when that there mast was a tree near her home. Not likely, thought Thad, remembering heartless Maria. I'm sure no woman ever hung herself for love. They're faithless creatures. Footsteps pounded toward them, and the bosun's voice bellowed into the cabin. Mayhew! Roberts! Your turn on the pumps! Step lively now! Two of the figures in the hammocks came to life and lurched out. Thad listened as the steady thumping of the pumps paused, and then resumed with more vigor. The whole ship was sopping wet inside and out. Even if the mast didn't crack, if the hull didn't give way... How could they go on like this? Wet and cold and no fire in the cook stove for a decent meal. How he longed for the breakfast his landlady used to serve at the university. The scones were rock hard and the coffee had tasted like bitter mud. But it had been hot. The cabin boy tried to start a cheery song, 
but voices petered out on the first chorus. Thad found a way to brace himself against a beam so that he was almost comfortable. His body ached to crawl off his meager hammock, but the story of the ghost kept circling in his mind. Why would a suicide haunt the dead hulk of the tree where she had died? It made no sense. How could science ever understand the working of nature if it relied on the reports of superstitious sailors? His eyes closed, and he imagined himself in a sunlit glade, listening to a lecture on the afterlife. Then a troop of nymphs appeared out of the forest, urging the students up to dance. Thad watched with interest as one of the nymphs led a student to the sheltering shade of a tree, luring him close with the offer of a kiss. At the last minute, she laughed and melded back into the rough bark, leaving the young man staring foolishly. Then lightning cracked. Hades appeared and the earth began to shake. Thad started awake. The Jane Darling was moving in some way that even his landsman's senses knew was completely wrong, and the bosun was screaming orders. Confused, Thad tottered to his feet and headed to the companionway, stumbling with the ship's motion. When he tried to release the hatch, a flood of salt water smacked him in the face. Nevertheless, he struggled up onto the deck. Dawn shone an unearthly light up under the black, roiling clouds, and the sun's yellow rays had gilded parts of the ship with light. The deck pitched and rolled more violently than ever, and a horrible noise was coming from above. The mainsail flapped loose, and the main spar hung horribly askew. But Thad hardly looked at the mess. His eyes leaped to the spectral figure floating next to the mainmast. From the sailor's descriptions, he had envisioned a beautiful young girl, but the apparition before him resembled a skeleton. Emaciated, grey, crowned with dead leaves and tangled hair, it clutched the mainmast and howled more horribly than the wind. The flowing, almost Grecian robe wrapped around it seemed tattered and dirty. It shrieked at Thad, eyes full of murderous hate, then turned back with an anguished cry to embrace the cracked mast. Thad barely noticed the seaman scrambling onto the deck behind him. His heart pounded and his eyes caressed the hag who clutched the mast. A dryad. That was what she had to be. The spirit of the long dead tree. Following her beloved pine even after death. Borne away by men far from home. Severed from earth, severed from the forest, but never parted from the magnificent conifer she loved. How she had withered. And with the withering of her magic, so the power of the mast must have faded. Until the men relying on it were betrayed, and the mast cracked. The captain was on the deck now, the ship's carpenter behind him. A fresh gust of wind made the great mast twist. The rat lines stretched so tautly they vibrated. The four stay lines snapped. A dozen men struggled across the pitching deck under the carpenter's direction, bearing a great log to prop up the mast. Darby scrambled up the remaining rat lines, rope in hand, apparently determined to replace the whipping forestay. With her sail flapping, the Jane Darling turned away from the wind, and the next wave broke over her side. Water was everywhere. Thad felt the deck shudder. All around him, men worked frantically to repair the damage, while he stood transfixed, still staring at the shrieking dryad which no one else seemed to notice. She was their only hope. Thad felt his heart lurch in his chest, 
She must hate the humans who had killed her tree, but they were depending on her. Somehow he must persuade her to hold the mast together until the wind subsided. Thad fought his way past the scurrying sailors and reached up to grasp the hem of the dryad's tattered gown. The ragged garment clung to his fingers like clammy mist, but he was able to pull her away from the mast and turn her towards him. Her transparent eyes stared unseeing into his, and he felt her pain strike him like a blow. She had not withdrawn her magic. She had come to the end of it. Her love had held the great dead tree aloft through storm and gale, but it had at last run out. As her tree had died, and the ship was dying, so the Dryad too was coming to the end of her life. And in that instant, feeling her passion and her gallantry and the unending faithful love which she had borne for her tree, Thad's frozen heart melted and then flushed warm with sympathy and passion. Maria had made a fool of him, but here was a female who had remained faithful to her true love even after death. Thad longed to honor her devotion. He leaned forward, and pulling the dryad's spectral form close, he kissed her with all his heart and soul. She returned his kiss with almost equal zeal, and Thad felt her heart beating against his, felt her grow solid under his clutching arms, felt their souls mingle and entwine. And then he felt the life of his body tapped. As great tree roots tapped the body of a decaying animal, the dryad in his arms grew strong, and he grew weak. Youth returned to her, and age clattered in Thad's bones. Her spirit bloomed as his withered. He had only time to look up into the pine twigs, sprouting on the broken mast before his eyes grew dim and closed forever. The sailors around him never understood what had happened, or why their young companion fell to the deck, suddenly an emaciated old man. They crossed themselves and thanked their lucky stars and as many gods or saints as seemed prudent and set about getting their damaged craft through the last of the storm. And when the Jane Darling limped into port at Bristol, four days later, no one had yet thought of a tale to explain the 90-foot white pine rigged for sale, growing from the deck where the mainmast had once stood. Today's story was The Sea Ghost Pine, written by T.S. Rhodes. A link to their work is in the show notes. Thank you for joining us on Firelight Fables. Stay cozy. We'll see you next time.